Amen. You may be seated. And uh, I'm very excited, family of families, to introduce a new friend of mine to you. And uh, hopefully you will be friends by the end of the day as well. This is Mike Tapper. He is a professor at Southern Wesleyan University in South Carolina. He goes by Tapper. Just Tapper. Just Tapper. No That's Mike. Good. Just Tapper. Um, but uh, we met uh, by phone or video call uh, a couple of months ago uh, when we were putting this, uh, this weekend together, and I was excited to just get to know him a little bit, and then over the last couple of days, really get to know him, mm-hmm. and you're in for a real treat. Uh, when we talked a couple of months ago, he asked what we had been doing uh, you know, in the sermons and so forth, and I described our God Is series. If you were here this summer, we had a whole series of God Is statements, and we finished that sentence, and I'm excited that you get to hear him finish that sentence again today. So this is a little bit of a, a step back in time to the God Is series, but I think awesome. you're in for a real treat. Thanks, Thank you, Pastor Mike. Mark. Give him Thank a warm you. Linwood welcome. And by the way, folks, um, Pastor Mark and I, we did not coordinate our outfits this morning. It looks like we did, but um, we didn't. We didn't actually call each other. We're just on, I guess, the same wardrobe wavelength. Yeah. It's great to be here this morning. Thank you so much for being such warm hosts. Uh, This is my first time ever to South Dakota, and it's been a great, oh yeah, man, what an amazing experience, too. The second I stepped off the plane yesterday, it's just been an absolute dream for me. I got to go to a hockey game last night with the amazing Mandy and Harper and some of your staff. Thank you so much for making me feel welcome. You've maybe picked up a little bit of a distinct accent. It's not a South Carolina accent. It's a Canadian accent, so... Yeah, we've got some Canadians, evidently. Yeah, we must know each other, right? Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in Canada, and here we are uh, in South Carolina a few years later. My wife and our four kids, we we love it. God's doing some really, really amazing things. Let me, um, before we jump into our scripture, let me just say, too, that uh, I have the awesome privilege of traveling around uh, to a lot of different churches in the role that I'm in on the weekends, and I want to tell you that uh, what you have here in Sioux Falls, and I'm not just patronizing, I mean this, you have something really unique here. Um, Pastor Zach and I met maybe five years or so ago. He started coming down with the amazing Mandy Smith at Ransom, who's also here, and uh, they just started coming down and loving on our students like five years ago. And I want you to know that beyond Linwood, People like Zach and people like Mandy, they have respect in, in our whole denomination, right? As, as amazing leaders who are investing in emerging leaders like um, what you just saw uh, this, uh, this morning with Aaron. Like, what an amazing privilege. Imagine it uh, as a theology professor uh, being led in communion by your students. It's just a really, really amazing and unique experience, but... I want you to know that uh, people like Zach and people like Mandy are a true blessing to the church. And Pastor Mark, too. Just met Pastor Mark here a a few weeks ago, as he said. And then to spend some time, thank you, Heather, for allowing uh, us to connect yesterday afternoon. I know that that probably dug into some family time. But you've got a great, great staff here. And God's doing some really, really neat things here at Linwood Wesleyan. I just sense it as I travel around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So God be with you, and uh, thank you so much for the warm welcome. Grab your Bibles this morning and turn to Psalm 69. If you don't have 
a Bible here. There's a pew Bible maybe in front of you. It's page 906. 906. We're going to read three verses there from uh, Psalm 69. We'll turn there and talk. Turn there now and we'll, t- we'll turn and read it in a moment. Way back in 1999, a Harvard University professor, his name is Daniel Simons, he decides that he wants to do an experiment. He's got 200 students in a lecture hall. And he says, he decides as he spends some time with these 200 Harvard students, he decides that he wants to sit them down in a lecture hall, probably something like this here this morning, and he tells them to grab a piece of paper and grab a pen and watch a short video that he has actually just created. So he creates this video. Just prior to the watching of the three-minute video, he gives the 200 students in the lecture hall some specific assignments. He says that they're going to be watching a video of six people passing a basketball around in a circle. Have you seen this, maybe, some of you? It's a famous experiment. Yeah, you've seen it? called the monkey business, if you're interested. It's on YouTube, like everything else. Simons tells some of the viewers in the lecture hall to carefully count the number of touches that the white team in the video, uh, how many times they actually touch the ball. The other students in the lecture hall are told to count how many times the black team touches the ball. Really straightforward directions for some high-functioning, really solid students like Aaron was. Props there, Aaron. See how I fit that in there? That's it. And so as the three-minute video begins, Simons, he's observing these 200 selected students, viewing attentively, watching this video of six people passing a basketball around, and they're painstakingly counting the number of touches. One, two, three, four. What Simons does not tell his students is that about 30 seconds into the video, a person dressed in a gorilla suit is going to walk right through the ball passers, beat on their chest, and then disappear. Some of you have seen this, maybe. And so immediately after this video ends, Simons, he stands up in the lecture hall And he asked the 200 students to write down how many ball touches that they've counted. Simons then asks them to write down with a simple yes or no if they've seen anything unusual with the clip. The last question, it's even more specific. He says, did you see a big hairy gorilla in the middle of this video? Amazingly, folks, amazingly, about 50% of Harvard's finest, over 100 students, say, Gorilla? Harper, Gorilla? I didn't see any gorilla. What are you talking about, Gorilla? Black Gorilla? Well, what this experiment confirmed was Simon's suspicion that a close analysis of what we humans regularly experience reveals that we are often, folks, unaware of many of the details in our environment. 
due to what Simons calls inattentional blindness. Missing key aspects of a reality because we're focused on other things. This morning, folks, I believe that God would be pleased if we challenged ourselves a little bit, if we stretched ourselves a little bit to see aspects of God that maybe we tend to overlook because of our inattentional blindness. Are you with me this morning? In other words, the question is this. Are there key aspects of who God is and what God is doing around me and around you today that we may be missing because we're too focused on the balls being passed around in the circle? This morning we're confronting our perceptions, our, our biases, our, our, our tendencies, our hidden presuppositions. But here's the tricky part. Here's the tricky part. Confronting what's in your and my spiritual backpack, it's, it, it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. In fact, it's one of the most difficult things for us humans to do, to actually step back for a minute and to try to look beyond ourselves and to consider the lenses through which we understand our lives and understand our world and understand God. All right, hold on to that thought. We'll come back to inattentional blindness in a few moments. For now, let's turn to Psalm 69, and now it's time to read Psalm 69, 30 to 32. Let's read. I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hoofs. The poor will see and be glad. You who seek God, may your hearts live. I want us to focus on the second part there of verse 30. And I'm going to change the translation here. I'm going to read what it says in the New Revised Standard Version because, frankly, I think that hits a little bit more accurately. The psalmist says in the New Revised Standard Version, I will magnify God with thanksgiving. Can you say that with me? I will Good. Awesome. I will magnify God with thanksgiving. So here's the question this morning, and I'm actually going to invite a little bit of feedback. When you hear the word magnify, what are some of the images or what are some of the words that come to mind? Feedback. Magnifying glass. Magnifying glass. Good. Are you a science teacher? No? Do you, are, do you, are you oriented a bit towards the sciences maybe? Okay. Yeah. Right. Magnifying glass. Good. Somebody else. What's that? Nothing? Okay. <laughs> Uh, how about your, uh, is that your daughter? Uh, what, what do you think about when you hear the word magnify? Magnify. Detective. Okay, good. Uh, over here? Bring to light. Good. Somebody else. Magnify. Make large. Okay, good. Yes? Make great. All right. few others. Intensify? Excellent. Good. Good. One more. 
Bring clarity. Good. Excellent. Thanks, Pastor. Yeah. All right. So aside from some of the religious connotations, we've heard some of those. Some of those came out. We also heard detective. I want to, that, that's an interesting response. You seem like an interesting person. Yeah. Aside from the religious connotations about the word magnify, for some of you at least, evidently the term magnify, and I'm glad that this came out, it triggers maybe the picture of a science lab maybe, perhaps, or a magnifying glass, we heard, of a, of a microscope. Huh? And, and think with me for a minute. What do microscopes and what do magnifying glasses do? What do they do? They Yes, they help you see the details. They make things bigger. Good. Excellent. Yeah. You could probably remember using a microscope in school. Harper, you're probably too young. Have you used a, a microscope before? You, you haven't yet? You will. Stay tuned. It's going to be great. Taking microscopes and making or taking small objects and magnifying them, right, with a, with a microscope. Taking small, 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 tiny, 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 tiny little things, like a strand of hair maybe, or a grain of salt maybe. Taking a small object and magnifying them with a microscope so that they actually appear bigger than they actually are. That's one way, and it's a really common way of understanding the idea of magnify, the concept of magnification, making small things big. But Linwood Wesleyan, there's another way for us to think about magnification, and I want to encourage you to think about this as well, and maybe you're a little bit less, or you are a little bit less prone to think about magnification this way, but for a moment, I want you to think about what a telescope does, okay? Think about a telescope and follow along. If a microscope magnifies small things, wee-wee, itty-bitty things, so that they appear larger or bigger than they actually are, think about a telescope. Telescopes take things that to many of us seem kind of inconsequential, like we don't think about planets every day and stars, and telescopes magnify these objects so that we can actually catch a glimpse of how truly enormous they actually are. Telescopes, folks, take big things, which incidentally to us may seem sort of small and insignificant, and they make them appear as big as they truly are. A few mind benders for us about the universe. Did you know? that our sun, S-U-N, is one of a hundred billion stars just in the Milky Way alone. And scientists believe that there are a hundred billion galaxies like the Milky Way. Traveling at the speed of light, hypothetically, it would take a hundred thousand years for you and for me to hypothetically travel across the Milky Way, just one galaxy among billions. Folks, that's mind-boggling. That's, that's truly astonishing. It's amazing what, what science reveals about God's universe, about God's creation. You see, telescopes and other scientific instruments that we have can help us just start to wrap our minds around the vastness and the sheer size of God's creation. So notice this morning, we're going in two different directions. 
okay? We're tracking in two different directions. In one direction, we can magnify things that are really, really, really small and itty, 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 bitty, and so, so that they actually appear larger than they actually are, like a microscope. But in the other direction, we can magnify things that are really, really, really big so that we begin to realize how big they actually are, like a telescope. Let me put it even more simply. Microscopes make little things big. And telescopes make big things big. Now, you're probably like, where is this Canadian going with all of this? Just smile. We're going to connect. Now, let's bring in Psalm 69, okay? Psalm 69, 30. Follow along with me. When the psalmist says, I will magnify God, okay? What kind of magnification do you think that the psalmist has in mind here? Yes. The psalmist is not saying God is really, really, really small. And, and therefore, like a microscope, we got to make God bigger than God actually is. No. The psalmist is saying, you know what? God is really, really big. Like really big. And therefore, like a telescope, we got to acknowledge how big God really is. I'm going to simplify the question even more. I'm a simple Canadian. The question is, do you perceive God as really big this morning or really small? Think about your life. Think about the stuff that you deal with day in and day out. Is God big in those situations or does God seem kind of small? Does God depend on you and me to magnify him, to prop him up so that God seems bigger and greater than he really is? Or is it not more accurate for us to say that there's nothing, that there's, there's nobody superior to God, that God is as big as, as big gets? Friends, that is an extremely important question for us to answer this morning. And it has all kinds of of practical ramifications to your faith, to your identity, to how you interact with the people around you. Listen, Linwood Wesleyan, listen. When it comes to magnifying God, metaphorically speaking, we're not called to be microscopes, to nervously sort of magnify this puny, tiny little God. God doesn't need to be magnified like the Wizard of Oz who gets found out in the end, do you remember? Just to be this cranky blowhard with a microphone. No, no. Instead, this morning, let's remind ourselves that when it comes to magnifying God, you and I are called to be telescopes. To confidently think and feel and, and, and act in ways that make God as great and big and omnipotent and omnipresent and omniscient as God really is. Is that not a more accurate picture of what it means to magnify God? But I'm ahead of you, and I think I know what you're thinking right now. There's a question. There's an issue lurking as you stand here listening to me and engaging 
with this idea. There's a tension. And now it's time for us to reintroduce inattentional blindness where we started. You see, we have a problem, folks. Magnifying a big God. But maybe the problem isn't God. Maybe the problem is us. Romans chapter 1, 19 and 20. It's the Apostle Paul. He's talking about our propensity towards inattentional blindness. This is what he says. Ever since the creation of world of the world, God's eternal power and divine nature, his invisible nature, though they are, though as they are, have been understood and seen through the things that God has made. So they, people, you and me, are without excuse. Romans 1.21, here's the kicker. For though we knew God, we did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Instead, we became futile in our own thinking and our senseless minds were darkened. Am I the only one here this morning who wonders how often our blindness makes our eyes unseeing and our ears unhearing to what God is up to? Hmm? Maybe, maybe you'd admit with me here this morning. Maybe you find it easier to ignore or forget the reality of the greatness of our big God. I mean, is it not true that we are prone folks to miss opportunities to magnify and telescope our big God? You get it. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. We, we get so busy, folks, counting all the balls being passed around the circle. One, two, three, four, got to do this, got to do that. That we miss God. Right in the middle. Right in the middle of it all. Right in front of us. I want you to think for a minute about a time in your life, maybe times in your life, where you sensed God really, really close. Okay? Think about a time in your life um, close your eyes if you want and ignore me for a few minutes if you want. I want you to think about a time in your life when you sense God's presence in a real way. Maybe for you it was like a youth camp, right? For me, I can think of different times in my life as a kid when I felt God, God's presence in a real significant way. And then in college... You know, worship services, maybe, maybe a time here at this amazing church, a time when you felt God's presence in a very, very real way. I can think of moments early on in my wife and my marriage where we felt God's presence in a real and tangible sort of way. We have four kids, lots of miracle stories, uh, three adopted kids, one curveball baby in the middle of the adoption process. Certainly didn't see that coming. Abby's our miracle child. God, you're so close. God, thank you for answering our prayers. 
a move to South Carolina. Canadian and South Carolina people, like that's just the dream, right? No, no more shovels selling all of the snowblowers, all of that stuff. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Quiet times of worship, God with me, God with us. Countless examples. You can think of your own, right? Times when you felt God's presence in a very real way. You can think of experiences as I stand up here sharing, I bet. I'm sure. Times when you've like shouted for joy, jumped for joy maybe, cried happy tears, danced happy dances to a response. God, you're with us. God, you're with me. You spoke to me. You knew it. You knew it. You've experienced those moments before, probably, where you've said, God, how could I ever live without you? How could I ever live without this? But then weeks, days, hours, discouragement, doubt, Worry, busy, God, I don't see you. God, where are you? <laughs> God, I don't see you anywhere. God, are you up there? God, where are you in this situation? God, I need you. Friends, it's intriguing to me that a large part of the Bible is about reminding us to do simple things that deep down you and I already know what to do. I mean, I'm looking at this, uh, the view that I have right now is unbelievable. I'm looking at a congregation that probably has hundreds and hundreds of years of Christian faith experiences, right? You probably don't need to be told to read the Bible more. Maybe you need to be reminded that God is with you right this moment in the midst of what you're dealing with. It's the psalmist giving himself a little bit of a pep talk in Psalm 103. He says, praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that God does for me. It's Paul in his letter to the Ephesians when he prays that the eyes of our hearts might be open. You know that song, right? Tim Hughes? The, the, uh, open the eyes of my heart. It's from Ephesians chapter 1. So that I might see, the Apostle Paul says, the greatness of God's immeasurable power. And so as we wind down here this morning, let's ask, how do, how do we magnify God? How, how do we do that? How do we act like a telescope? How, how do we take something theoretical and big like this, and how do we make it practical? Well, maybe it starts here. Maybe it starts with us making a simple and a humble acknowledgement this morning to ourselves and ultimately to God and admitting our inherent tendency to be inattentionally blind 
and forgetful. Maybe this morning it means taking our obsessive eyes off the balls that are being passed around, and you know what your preoccupations are this morning, and asking God with no expectation on our end, no parameters, not on our terms, God, open the eyes of our heart. Open the eyes of my heart. And when we take a good look around, what do we see? What do we see? I can tell you what I see. I can see a church that God has had his hand on over years, even through challenges, even, even through challenges and even through pain. God has walked here. God has walked with you even over these last few months. The thing that you woke up to this morning that has you preoccupied, that thing, whatever that thing might be, God is there. God is there. A reminder that God has brought some amazing people into your life, into my life, right? At work, at, at school, here. That God has been with you through the storms of life. That as some of you grieve here this morning, your heart feels broken maybe this morning because of someone who has passed away. That God is with you in your grief. That God is with you. That God is weaving things together right in front of you without usurping your freedom to choose or to make decisions. That God is changing you and me and ordering the universe all at the same time. That's a mind-bending thing, folks. We serve an amazing, great God, don't we? Amen. Amen. See, God is big. And when we magnify God, when we telescope God, we acknowledge how big God really is. And the natural outflow of that, folks, as the psalmist says, is we magnify God. We magnify God with thanksgiving. And so the question in closing this morning is simply this. Are you mindful of what God is doing around you? Are you aware of what God is doing around you? In you, in us, in your spouse, in your family member, in your friends, in your co-worker. I trust, folks, that you are. God is our giver. God is our benefactor. And we are indebted to God. God is not calling us to work ourselves up into a stress ball this week. Instead, more importantly, God calls us to magnify him with thanksgiving, to recognize our weakness and his strength, to recognize our emptiness and his richness, to recognize our brokenness and his holiness, to marvel at God's grace that meets us precisely where we are and invites us into relationship with him, the king of the universe. Friends, that's, that's an incredible gift. That's an incredible gift for which to be eternally thankful. Let me pray.
Open the, open the eyes of our hearts, God, so that we may see you. In our pain, in our struggle, in our blindness, you're there. We pray, God, that you would help us to see you. You are great, you are good, and you are worthy of our praise. Thank you, in your name, amen.